Alive and Kicking on News Talk. Yes, you can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire McKenna Presents. Coming up this morning, it is International Men's Day, and I'll be joined by a panel to talk through, among other things, men's mental health and what it means to be a man in the modern world. I'll be joined by Connor O'Keefe, who's an endurance and mindset coach, pilot, presenter, and business owner Kamal Ibrahim, and performer and presenter Paul Ryder to give me their thoughts. So, what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, another week of trying to work out how I can work smarter instead of harder. The reassessment of my life at the midpoint continues, all while trying to remain in the moment and grateful and positive. You know the drill. I'm sure you're all the same. It is not easy at the moment. I feel like there's a lot going on for people. Lives are busy. People are under pressure, going through all kinds of things. And Beyond the island of Ireland, there are unimaginable atrocities which are impacting our everyday and it feels too privileged at times to just look away. I have so many thoughts on it all and I know it's on the minds of many. So I've invited psychologist Alison Keating of the Be Well Clinic here in Dublin onto the show. Alison, you're very welcome. How are you? People are really feeling it at the moment, aren't they, Alison? I mean, the idea that war is happening in our lifetime is very difficult for people to bear. And war has, of course, been happening in parts of the world before. But perhaps with social media now, it seems to seep beyond the headlines. And maybe it's a positive thing. We're more consciously aware of it now. But what are your thoughts? So I have, like yourself, so many thoughts about this. And maybe that's where we need to start, is that I think so many people feel so many conflicting emotions. Um and I'd say to people, like, if you find yourself feeling like you're on a bit of a roller coaster, you're really feeling very, very upset and angry and sad and frustrated. I know I've cried so many times reading different things and seeing, you know, the absolute desolation, you know, that's, that's, that's happening. And to, to sit in your home and to read this, it feels like there's this huge disconnect. Like, how can I go about my normal day? How can I go about and do, you know, feel okay about other things um, and I'm also coming at it from a perspective that for years I worked with asylum seekers who were they were seeking refugee status in Ireland so they were coming and they had been prisoners of war they've been traumatized they've been tortured so I have heard hundreds of people's accounts of war of atrocities you couldn't you couldn't even get your head around you know I think it's we're having normal human reactions to to bearing witness to an utter humanitarian crisis. So I think it's okay that you feel deeply distressed, but that you're also giving yourself permission that you can turn it off at times as well because it actually isn't good for you either. I mean, it is vicarious trauma when you're looking at these um, images, but I think two things there. One, I think I always look for the good people in these situations, and there are so many. Um, And like even getting sources of of good news, it's okay to allow yourself to hear good news stories because otherwise we become, we go into this heuristic, um, availability heuristic that there's nothing good in the world. It's just evil. And I mean, obviously, last week with the court case at Ashen, it would feel natural for many people to feel a sense of helplessness and hopelessness. So I think for our own mental health, yes, stay informed. 
yes, do something. I really like um, Uplift. Um, and, you know, you can send an open letter to Joe Biden for a ceasefire. You can do another one where you send an open letter to, to the Taoiseach of Ellie Radcar. You can send one to the uh, Minister for Foreign Affairs, Michal Martin, and to the President of the UN General Assembly, uh, Dennis Francis. So that's myuplift.ie. And I really feel that we need to feel like we're doing something. And I do believe, Claire, our voices matter. And I don't think we can turn away. I really don't. Sometimes I'm racking my brain thinking, okay, like social media can be such a powerful source of good. Bring kind of an, an awareness to how it's impacting you. Are, do you find you're having headaches all the time? Are you tensing your jaw? Do you feel tense, uptight, irritable, snappy with people? And then say to yourself, okay, I've got to be present for all the relationships in my life as well and for myself. So that might be the time where you say to yourself, I'm going to actually go out and go for a walk and kind of be soothed by nature as well. I think that's really important that we we balance it out. So I think we're sitting with hugely um, conflicting emotions and feelings, but you are allowed to protect yourself as well. Yeah, because that can be tough. As I said, it feels privileged to be able to to flick on and, and turn it off and, and turn back to your your own family or your own situation in safety. But to be proactive, to be informed, to use yep. your voice, you need to make sure that you're not in a constant state of, of fight or flight. I'm sure there are people whose sleep is being impacted, who feel very stressed all the time, who feel that sense of, of hopelessness. And I suppose we can't do what needs to be done when we are feeling that way. So it, it's not selfish to invest that time in yourself. But I, I, I do think it's very important. You're talking from a mental health and a, a psychological point of view and our, our central nervous system to have that switched on and heightened. It, it can really have an impact on our ability to be present in our own life and, and, and to show up in the way you mentioned there. Absolutely. And I mean, I wonder what impact this is having to so say if you have children, if you're going around and you're you are feeling very dysregulated yourself, your cortisol levels, your stress hormone levels are through the roof. It is important that you become aware of that and, and kind of know that, you know, if we take, say, a child, they're looking to you to, to kind of get a sense of, am I safe in the world? And I think it's kind of useful sometimes to say to children, like if they're asking about things and they're obviously seeing stuff in an age-appropriate way to go through what's actually going on, but to also protect them as well so they're informed to a degree, but you're protecting them, whatever, you know, in an age appropriate way. But you as a person, you know, as I said, if you're not sleeping well, and if you're in that constant state of fight or flight, it's very, very wearing on your nervous system. So it's just intentionally going, okay, do you know what? I'm definitely in fight or flight. I feel kind of jumpy, I'm irritable, I'm snappy. And I always say, look after the three eyes. So when you're feeling impatient, intolerant, and irritable that's the sign that you have to actually bring it back to the basics and actually go to bed a little bit earlier i think it's okay to decide um in terms of i'm not a fan of of uh, constant news notifications on your phone and actually they, they, they are saying that actually reading a paper in one go so you're getting all your information at one setting i'm not saying you're not going to hear it on the news but if you're noticing a decline in your mental health i think it is appropriate to take steps where you reduce 
the the level of details that you're actually taking on board or even the source of it to say if, if it's, it's visual that has a really huge impact on your brain and as I say with the vicarious trauma like your brain finds it hard to distinguish between this is you know it's not that's not happening here but you're absorbing all of that and so allowing yourself to kind of calm your nervous system down if even when you finish reading something and say I'm so desperately upset by what I've just read or what I've just seen I feel so helpless um and as you said that sense of privilege but it feels really uncomfortable like I'm really struggling with it because I'm like surely we can do something and Alison, do you have any techniques for people when they are feeling that overwhelming heaviness? Yes. And um, what's useful about it is you can do it anywhere. It's free and it's incredibly effective. So I always think it's useful to think of Taylor Swift and it's like shake it off. And I actually get people to either do it to music or because it helps kind of to do it because you feel a bit silly at the beginning, but you literally just shake out your arms. You shake out your legs, you shake out your whole body. And I would do it for, say, a minute, a minute and a half. I need you to actually do it for you to see the benefit. Because what happens is when we're in that fight or flight state, our body is completely flooded with adrenaline nor nor epinephrine. And the only way you can actually get it out of our system, there's a couple of ways. Cold exposure, um, so going swimming, shaking it out, and actually laughing. And so that's a really good way. But I don't think that's appropriate at the moment. So shaking it out is a technique that you can do in the living room, outside in the garden. Put a song on if you want, because I think it actually helps get a bit of memento going. Don't care about how you look. Um, I actually have one on my Instagram page if people want to actually see how to do it, but like, there is no right or wrong way to do it. You literally shake out your arms and shake out your legs, and you're shaking out the stress hormones. And I heard somebody talk about this recently, taking their dog for a walk, and when they would walk by a particular house, there are other dogs that, that bark, you know, behind the gate and, and, and the dog gets really tense and ready to get past. And then the minute they pass those gates, the dog just shakes it off and then continues on back with their day. And obviously, you know, dogs and animals live in a very different world without all of this coming down on top of them. But we, we have those same physiological stress responses and we can shake it off in the same way. So that's really good practical oh, advice. Yeah. A deep breath, if three deep breaths is also your, your best friend in these situations, but that can be harder to do. I think that physical shaking off will be of real benefit to people. Alison, thank you for tackling what is a, a very sensitive topic. People are entitled to react to what's going on however they see fit, but I, I thought it was an important conversation to have. So psychologist Alison Keating from the Be Well Clinic She is the practical.psychologist on Instagram. Thank you so much for coming on. Alive and kicking on News Talk. Now, it is International Men's Day today, Sunday the 19th of November. So I've invited three people who identify as male to join me in studio to talk about men's health, well-being and beyond. Paul Ryder is a presenter, performer and dance school owner. He blasted into our homes as RuPaul Ryder on Ireland's Got Talent and since then has gone on to present on Ireland AM, Make Up All Stars and hosts his own radio show and podcast. He also featured on Centra's Attitude is a Choice campaign looking very fabulous in drag. Conor O'Keefe is an ultra runner and endurance and mindset coach. He also became a dad to his own little man, Cooan, 14 months ago. Connor took part in the RTE documentary I'm Fine, exploring men's mental health. 
And finally, Kamal Ibrahim is a pilot and a presenter of, among other things, the National Lottery on RTE and the Six O'Clock Show on Virgin Media. He is a media business owner and father to a nine-year-old son. Well, you are all very welcome. Thank you very much for having us. Now, we are all saying, uh, you know, are we going to be okay here? Are we okay to talk about gender? Because it has become a very sensitive topic. And I think it's great that we're pulling down all the stereotypes. We're really looking at a gender and what it means. And there's people who don't identify as a gender. But today is International Men's Day, as I've said. So I wanted to talk about what it means to be a man in the modern world. So, Connor, I'm going to start with you. Mm. You said you're not afraid of controversy. You're yeah. weighed on in there. But tell me what you think that what it means. Well, what does being a modern man mean? Yeah, I suppose um, like We've been asked to to kind of uh, shift around so much in the last number of years. I think it's like we've thrown everything up in the air now and we're waiting for everything to kind of settle back down and find what it actually does mean. Because it means different things to, to different people. It's not just, you know, what I say is how it is for each man. Um, I do feel like the the topic around kind of masculinity is quite misunderstood because of the and the the word that kind of often is tagged along with that is the is the the idea of toxic masculinity but i wanted to kind of uh grab that grab hold of that first in the conversation really because um i feel like that's a mislabeling um i, I don't feel like what we would associate with toxic masculinity is toxic masculinity i think it's the lack of masculinity in a man that would lead them to the types of behaviors we would associate with what we call toxic masculinity. And what would you think those characteristics are? Um, well, maybe like one of the main key cornerstones of that would be like misogyny um, or, you know, a kind of a, a sexist ap- approach to um, dealing with the opposite sex, um, being very domineering and a dominant figure. I think it's very important for a man to have intensity. Um, I think intensity is a good thing, but it's like when and where to use it. Um, I think that I myself and when I'm doing things like looking after my son or looking after my household or my wife. And uh, I feel like masculinity can be also termed as integrity, honesty, accountability, loyalty. Those are the things that I think about when I think about a masculine man. I think my dad is a masculine man. Um, because he's a man of integrity. He's not a guy that, and I think this is what I get from him, is he's not a guy that will do the the easy thing just because it's easy. I think that's something that is very much, um, I would say, a masculine thing, is when we see people that doing what they feel is right, even when it's not expedient and when it's not easy to do, I think that's something that is is, is a masculine thing. Um, so that's that's my understanding of it anyway. Yeah. And like, you know, I sent you all the questions in advance and I was thinking, God, if they sent me this and just swap out man with woman, what would I say? You know, it's not something necessarily you go around thinking about all the time. But have there been situations in your life, Paul, where you've thought about what, what does it mean to me to be a man? Oh, of course. I come from, and it was weird because when the two guys were chatting at the start and they said, oh God, are we going to be hung for this because we're talking about gender? And I kind of took it, I was taking a step back going, why would you be hung for it? And then I realised because everybody has to be so careful about how we discuss and have discussions about gender and conformity and non-binary and stuff like that. And believe you me, I am in a community, I'm in an LGBTQ community, which is, that was how kicked the door open for all these conversations because people wanted to identify in different ways. 
I don't understand it sometimes. I don't understand the conversation around gender. I still have to question when I'm talking to people and they say, oh, I identify as... I still ask questions because I am still learning. So to ask me, you know, what does it mean to be a man... To this day, at 36 years of age, with a wealth of experience in every situation, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to find out what it means to be a man for me, what it means to be a man for you, what it, all these different aspects are, like Connor said, thrown up into the air and everything's settling back down. Going back to like me as a child, I, and I, growing up into teenage years, I was trying to find where my masculinity and my femininity teetered. And even to this day, I still don't know where that teaches because you said, you know, when you're doing manly stuff like um, minding your son, mine is in the gym because I feel a sense of masculinity in that space. And I feel like my body's getting stronger. I feel stronger. I look stronger. That's my masculine energy. I'm very lucky that I then go to put on a frock of an evening and can be a feminine energy in my drag persona. So I'm very lucky that I can teeter between the two and have found a level balance. But that's taken a lot. That's taken a lot of, as the Queen of Ireland, Panty Bliss once said, checking yourself, being in a room and being very careful as to how you speak, whether you're too sassy, whether your S's are coming out a bit too queer, whether all these different things. But now I finally kind of gone, I don't care. You can be the most masculine man in the world. We'll find something in common. We'll find something in common that we both can nail on. And that's the most important thing. It's not about whether you're masculine or whether you're feminine, your energy. It's about having respect for your fellow man in whatever sort of sense of masculinity they have. And do you feel that there's a shift going on, Kamal, like the, the, the conversations that are being had now? It's very unfortunate that we are living in a time that grown, educated adults are not certain of what it is to be a particular type of grown, educated adult, right? Mm. As a man, Connor, I have a child as well. He's nine years old. He's a boy. And I completely agree with everything you said in the sense, I'm not sure, if Paul, if you have any kids. No. <laughs> I, like, I, like as, as, a, as, a, as a father, as a man, again, I would feel masculine when I am in that role mm. of I'm teaching my son, I'm protecting my son, I'm looking after my family, I'm looking after the woman that I love, people that I love. Everything from uh, when I was growing up, my mom taught me, well, if you're walking down the street with a woman or a child, you walk on the outside, the woman walks on the inside. If you're going into a room, you open the door and let her through. Unless you don't know where it is, if it's a new space, you're not familiar with it, the man goes through first. Why? Because you don't know what's on the other side. All of these things, that are the role in which a man, a man plays. My son is, lives in Greystones. He sounds like an American because he watches TikTok and, and Instagram and everything. You might be familiar with this as well, Connor. And the environment that our kids are growing up in is exactly what you both said. Everything is up in the air. It's almost for fun. People, the, you know, the, the, the boys are expected to behave like a boy, you know, act like a man, you know, be a, be a man, do what you're supposed to. At the same time, though, all those similar traits is also, depending on who you're speaking to, might be just a little bit too much, which means it's now toxic. Who mm-hmm. says what it's toxic? Who sa- you know, who's setting that tone? So again, we find ourselves all learning but who are we learning from what you know what i mean we all i believe we all know we're all sitting in this room we all know so many bars in the door we would we would all react a certain way not necessarily based on our gender but based on, on our, our own instincts mm. and as it happens that tends to fall into the roles of man and woman i would jump up because it's i would believe if it was my family here i would absolutely jump up with no question i would throw myself in to try to protect them because and that's what should be expected there's mm. nothing wrong with that uh, so again, these conversations are so, it's like walking a dynamite, you know, it's, mm. like, it's like, but again, I think, I think most people 
from regardless of where, where you're from, what community in, we, we all think the exact same thing. Thankfully, we live in a world where you can, uh, you know, b- uh, uh, be proud and show where your masculine and femininity lines uh, lie. That, that's fantastic and that should be celebrated. But we also live in a world where if you go too far one way, then you're now offending or doing something that you're being made to feel is wrong and you're punished. And in some cases, it's a character assassination and it's, it's you know, you might as well be dead. It's, it's so severe. And in terms of the world that we're growing up in today, not so much for, well, it's for everybody, but I'm worried about the younger generation. The consequences of doing things a little bit wrong or not with the norm is so severe that, it, you know, thank God I'm not growing up in it, but I worry about it for the likes of the generations behind us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's interesting that the, the, the two of you are fathers of, of boys. Um, and I am a mother of a daughter and a son. And I am really conscious of the difference. Like I would be more worried. They're only 10 and 12 now, but my son is starting to go, you know, further afield and, and you know, wanting that sort of freedom. And I would be more worried about him going out into the world than I would be about my daughter. And I think that says a lot. And even really small things like, you know, there's a a local bar and lounge. If he goes in with his group of friends to get chicken wings and a few Cokes with their pocket money, they'll be sent away. They'll be just assumed as trouble. Whereas if the girls go in, it's like, ladies, come in. And, you know, there's a different, there kind of seems to me to be this understanding that boys are going to be trouble, that a group of boys are going to be trouble. Again, you asked the question at the start. You were talking about um, the characteristics of a man w- without which leaves a person who behaves the way you were saying, mm-hmm. right? Uh, misogynistic and, you know, so what's missing there, I'm not saying obviously it's not in your, necessarily in your household, but generally speaking, it's it, it it's on the it's on the men to instill it's on the fathers to instill into the men the way to behave. What I said about when I was growing up, with my mother. Here's how you talk to people. Here's how you behave when you're in public. Here's here are the traits that you should have as a young man growing up, so that when you are in public and when you are with your friends, you're not seen as potentially dangerous because you're just going for a bloody bag of chips. That people understand that no, you, this is a good group of people. But we don't live in that society these days because, like the guy said, it's all up in the bloody air, and the young men are not. Who are they learning from? Freaking YouTube. Like, you know what I mean? This, it's all it's all up in the air and there's nobody to go, no, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. I hear Kamal completely and I, I, I do get a lot what you're saying and I my, my agreement there is is that, and it's a message that I say, I don't have kids but in the same way I have a hundred kids because I own a stage school where I teach kids who are three years of age all the way up to 21. I'm very lucky I hand them back after an hour but within that hour I... I get to instill and I get to have conversations and I always, 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 especially in the last couple of years and I'm talking from my community's point of view, we've gone through a lot with regards to backtracking post-marriage referendum a couple of years ago. COVID did a lot to, to damage people. You know, the talk of drag, trans, gay people, all that sort of stuff. We've taken massive, massive steps back. But the biggest point I always have to say is, and you've touched on it, Kamal, is that it starts at home. It starts fully, whether it's a mother, father, two mothers, two fathers, or whatever your situation is. The conversations on how you should be growing up should extend not only the household, but the school. How a teacher, because you spend a couple of hours every single day with your child, but a teacher spends... Maybe more, maybe more than you do with your with your child. So we have to make sure that our educators are giving the right message. And I'm not saying shove that two men should get married down a child's throat because that's the wrong way about it. But it's to open the conversation that people can live whatever way they want to live once they 
A, aren't doing any harm, B, are being a good person, and C, putting that back out into the world. It's a conversation. I host Pride events up and down the country to kids, adults, you know, whatever. And the biggest thing I keep saying in these massive events is start with your children. It's so beautiful to see kids in the audience with families start telling them what's right, what's wrong and how we should move forward because they're going to be the ones to change the goddamn world. They are the ones. ask you about something then. Is it getting easier for a boy to go to a dance class than it would have been? No, and like that is just outrageous. Only yesterday, we we have my classes on a Thursday. We've had we do trial classes, so every child can come in. They do a trial class, and uh, they either stick it or they don't stick it. We've had four trial classes with boys in the last couple of weeks. Every single one hasn't come back since because it's a room full of girls. And I will stand with said boy and go, by the way, I was always the only one in my dance class who was the boy. And look at me now. I'm still doing what I'm doing. I know it's intimidating with the girls. And they kind of go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they agree. But it's just that intimidation. And it's always what's happening outside the room. Because it's not about the, the 27 girls who are standing around them going, what's your name? Who are you? What? All this sort of stuff. It's what's going to happen when they go to school. Or in my case, I was bullied because I would be doing shows and it might make the local paper. That local paper would appear in secondary school by tenfold up and down the corridors. And that would ruin my life for about three weeks. All because something that I should be celebrating of getting a gig or getting a job or something was being ruined because it was being brought into school going, look at this queer dancing. Right, we'll have to take a break. But when we come back, I'd really love to get into the stereotype that men don't talk about their feelings and men's mental health. You're listening to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk, where I'm joined in studio by Kamal Ibrahim, Paul Ryder and Connor O'Keefe, my panel for International Men's Day. Alive and Kicking. On News Talk. You're welcome back to Alive and Kicking. Now, as it's International Men's Day, I'm joined in studio by a panel to talk about what it means to be a man in the modern world. Connor O'Keefe, an endurance and mindset coach, performer and presenter Paul Ryder, and pilot, presenter, business owner, and father, as is Connor Kamal Ibrahim. And before the break, we touched on men's mental health and that stereotype that men don't talk about feelings. And I'd love to get into that with you. Can I turn back to you then, Connor, on one of the biggest stereotypes that men don't talk about their feelings? And, and we know that the suicide rates are, are are so high. That's the theme of this year's International Men's Day, zero suicide rates. That's something you're at the, the forefront of. Mm. Do you think that's starting to change? Um. It is and it isn't. I suppose the numbers would tell you that it isn't, right? Um, I think you can, you can. Um, there are cer- there are certain pockets of really great stuff happening. Um, like I, I, I was talking to Paul um, off air there about um, about Crewman, my outdoor adventure community that I set up to kind of get men into the outdoors and for men to kind of have, because this is another thing that I see a lot with uh, clients of mine that are men is that, you know, when you become a dad, your social circle and your social life falls away to the wayside and then you don't have as many men in a positive atmosphere to share connections with, friendships with. And that's what I kind of noticed about myself and that I also was moving away from the partying and drinking kind of lifestyle and wanted to kind of explore more the outdoors that I wanted to set up this in this 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 community. And at the beginning of all of our hikes, we have an opening circle and at the end of it, we have a closing circle. 
and at the opening circle it's kind of basically I generally kind of start off I just tell people like what, the news of my life you know what I mean well, whatever's going on uh, or if like I'm just not feeling well and it could, could be um, it could be from anything to having trouble with your, their partners uh, to um, a manager in work is giving them grief and they're, they feel trapped inside their job because they need it for their family and their money or whatever um, or whatever the case may be but it's getting it out there and then knowing that it is an open and understanding environment for men to kind of share these things because I think if anything men are like just as kind of um, let's say emotional or in touch with emotion as women are it's just that maybe that there's not as much uh, openness around around a man having that and I think it's it's, a, it's also a view on what is sharing and what is talking about feelings and emotions, I think, is like we need to kind of break down the barrier. It's just it like for us, it's like loads of lads in outdoor gear and boots just standing around inside in a forest and we're just chatting. And I think it's like, you know, um, if we if we could like show, I suppose, the outer uh, male population that it doesn't have to be one side or the other, right? Where it's like, and, and, and also you touched on stoicism the idea of stoicism and, and, and like, uh, you know, uh, Marcus Aurelius and his uh, in book Meditations has kind of sat really with men in their 20s and 30s and uh, um, quite often I've read the book myself and it's really insightful and it has a part in being a man um, because even at times when I feel like my partner has been struggling and my son has been sick, it's time for me to, to shut up what I am going through sometimes. Because I feel like that's my role as a man is I need to be able to shoulder some of that. I need to be able to shoulder what's going on and and move forward and act as though there's nothing wrong. So but there's is that not and, and I don't mean to talk about your personal relationship, but I just mm. mean in general. And is it not up for your wife every now and then or whoever, you know, your partner is or your best friend or, you know. Absolutely, to, to share the load. It's not necessarily a man's job to be the man and shoulder the whole thing. It's not necessarily a man's job to be the man. Yes, it is because he's a man. But and why? Why can't that, you just be there. in the sadness with them and go? I really hear you. The kids. Oh no, sick. absolutely. This is really tough. You don't have to stand. No, there I don't. I, I don't <laughs> kind of go. My wife is, you know, upset and kind of go. Well, I have to go clean the house. And I have to clean the house. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I get. I I realize as well, like. It's this is this is um, very much a personal thing where you have to kind of figure out what your relationship is like and what your partner is looking for in that time. My wife, when she's upset, not looking for solutions. Yes. She's not looking for me to be logical. Yeah, she's looking for me to be a soundboard and for me to be supportive and to understand where she's coming from first and foremost. And then, when there is time and mental space for a solution to be thought about. Then we'll get to it. So, so I think it's more so on you. you know, for, for every man has a responsibility to understand their relationships and understand where they fit into that. And this is why I'm saying like there's a time and place for everything. My time and place sometimes to to express my feelings is with my friend. I had a great chat with a friend of mine yesterday. I told him a lot of the stuff that was going on for me right now, and I opened the door for him to do the same, and we did. Um, but that's that, and that's not saying that I can't then show this more stoic nature of being a man at home and say and kind of go right. I need to be here for these people, and that's my role, and that's my job. And there is a time as well where my wife has to step into that role, where I'm, you know, after getting hit with something like a setback or a failure or a disappointment or something, and she has to step into that role. But I feel like, um, and this is something that Kamal touched on as well. For me, it's not so much a teaching. 
but an exemplary uh, idea that I follow because my father never sat me down and told me what to be, well, how to be a man and what we should and shouldn't do. He just did. He just treated my mom with respect. He loved my mother. And that's one of the main things I've taken from him. For fathers, one of the best things you can do for your child is to love their mother. And I've mentioned this a number of times. I saw you put that up on Instagram. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. Mm. Uh, before I asked the other two about talking about their feelings, when people see you, because Cohen is only... He's 14 months. Yes, yeah, so he's only little. Yeah. They say, aren't you great? Isn't he real hands-on? Do people mm. say that to you? Which I think we need to get rid of. You're like... You're a parent, you're not a parent. You know, there's no such thing as hands-on. You're just mm. his dad. Yeah, I, like, I would, uh, I'd gladly be what you would call a house husband. I'm deadly serious. It's like, if I, if I could not work and spend time with my son, I would, you know, because I love that time. And I feel like I never want to forget that. I'm getting busier all the time. But I never want to forget that why I do it, why I work, why I do these things is to look after these people. But I, at the same time, and this is speaking to a lot of men, because it's my own personal experience, a lot of men lose sight of that. They feel alienated from their family and they feel alienated from their children. And they feel like they have this role of, you know, and I've talked to men as well, and this is something that uh, I'd love to raise, is men that finish work and will like sit in the car and do emails because they know their children are up and they'll wait until the child has gone to bed before they come in. And you could say straight away, cut what comes into your head that this person is an a-hole, right? But what I would say is this, this person's probably actually riddled with fear and with, uh, uh, with, with being, uh, you know, not feeling like they are going to be a father, a good father, and that they're going to be, that they have all of these emotions attached to it. So we see the guy who waits in the car. Oh, God, he's not helping his wife out. But this guy is probably in a time where he feels so alienated from his children. He doesn't even know what role he plays. Can I ask you, Paul, about talking about your feelings? I mean, I would often say to my husband, will you ring your friend? Like he's living in another country on his own. He's going through a really bad breakup. We saw him when he was home in Dublin. Give him a call. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I will. I will. I will. Mm. Or he'll come back and I'll say, how was John after his mother died last week? He'd be like, it never came up. You know, my friends barely have their foot in the footwell of the passenger seat and we are deep into mm-hmm. everything that is going on. Because when they say, yeah, you know, I'm fighting with my partner too or I'm feeling really crappy, you're like, OK, it kind of r- takes the weight off your shoulders. Mm. Why don't men do that as much? Oh, that's that, it's, it's a loaded question in a way because I'm not a person to discuss my feelings if they're bad. If I'm elated and I'm good, I will tell the goddamn world I'm feeling fine. But if things are bad, I don't want to discuss it because I don't want to open the door. And I learned that last year. I went through a really, really hard time after a failure. And it was this time last year, actually. And I was months and months and months like with demons, anxiety, insomnia, everything. And eventually I just broke. I just completely broke one day with my partner. And he said, you're screwed. He was like, you're actually screwed. He's like, you need to talk to somebody. And I then I opened up, but I opened up to a third party. I don't want to talk to anyone within my circle. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to anybody within my circle and give them Why? my feelings because I'm afraid it'll be used against me. Mm-hmm. There's one person I trust and that's my that's my fiancé. Anybody outside of that, and even, but he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it because he doesn't live in my world. So I can tell him, like you said about a soundboard, but he doesn't understand it all the time. So talking to an outside party, somebody who hasn't got a notion who A, B and C in the situation are, 
is great for me. What does that tell you about the people you let in? It has nothing to do with them. It has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with me because I'm too busy trying to show that I am this, this and this and this to the world. Where realistically, I should say, sorry, I'm having a really bad time and I'm not enjoying myself right now. And I should be able to open up to my friends. But I just don't want to let that in because it, it, it invites too many questions about my feelings. Mm. And I don't want to have that conversation in two weeks time because I go like this. No, it's fine. I've dealt with it. I'm done. I am, I am a product of my, my mother. I'll sweep everything under the carpet and it'll be, it'll be done and dusted and I'll deal with it myself. Do you think that was something you learned as a boy? Yes, I watched, I watched my family do it. I watched my family do it and I, I, I sweep it under the carpet. And there's nothing wrong if I can compartmentalise that and deal with it. Mm. I can do that myself. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I, 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 I completely see what you're saying. Mm. But I, I wouldn't agree with you because I think that it's going somewhere. Mm. And you're just, you're keeping lidness. Mm. And believe you me, if I could change that, Kamal, I would do it in a second. Oh, your body, your body keeps the score for you. You know, yeah. it, it might not feel like it's constantly in your mind, but I feel like if I'm holding on to something and you know, the, the, the distractions of everyday life, you come in, there's a, the child needs to be changed and there's kitchen needs to be cleaned. That distracts me from what I'm thinking about. And then I might not think about it again for a while, but it's, it's, it's still, I think it's still there. I think it's still there. Oh, believe you me, the carpet's a mountain. I'm well aware. So I, you know, I, don't, I don't mean to criticise. Um, I didn't mean to criticise because I, I criticise you, but at the same time, I do the same thing, but not for the same reasons. Mm. I, I More often when I come under strain, you know, this past year has been a really good, challenging, but difficult one. There was a few times where I was under high pressure. And, you know, there's moments when, you know, the, my son is not well, there's a bit of stress at home, work is tight, you know, things are going difficult. But again, I would not necessarily come forward and say something to my partner, but not because I'm afraid of the, of the backlash. Um, actually, I know the backlash should be very, very supportive is that I do not want to add anything. Mm. So it's not the other way around. It's the other yeah. way around. I don't want to bring Preach. a problem. I want to take them away. And especially if I'm at home and my son is there and I'm like, the last thing I want to do, especially in the family environment, is to bring what I feel are my problems because it's my, in my mind, it's my mm -hmm. to be taking problems away. You know, and I recognize... I 100% echo what you're saying. Yeah. yeah you know, now, of sure. course, guys, we need to be able to talk and, and we do. I... I don't know if this is an individual thing, but Connor, I, I say you and I probably, it's the first time you've met, but I'd say mm. we got on really, really well if we mm. had a chat. And, you know, I, I feel like it doesn't take a lot of words for two, for, I would say for us to be able to, tell, or actually any of us here to be able to have a conversation. Mm. I'd say we could probably say a lot in very few words. I have a friend of mine who moved to Australia not too long ago. I've barely spoken to him. We're best, best friends, but I've barely spoken to him, but I haven't needed to speak to him. It's a, a text here and a WhatsApp message there and, so much is said in those few words. Uh, so I think that the nature of the conversation is different between guys and girls. And I think that, you know, I, I echo what you're saying, Paul, in terms of the, when, when I'm feeling stressed, I don't want to share it, but not because mm -hmm. I'm afraid of the feedback. It's just because I don't want to, again, I, I'm, I'm here to take away problems, not add to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you yeah. on that one too, man, for sure. And it's probably not great. You know, because I know that if, if you if you just uh, if you keep putting the lid on and you're just squashing, squashing, squashing it, it, I do feel like there's a part time where I kind of have to go here. Look, I'm actually, yeah, you know, I'm, and it comes out in other you ways, know what I mean? like this irritability. Like. There could be all kinds of things. But thank you to all of you for mm. everything you said. I mean, I, I, I just think it will land with people regardless of gender, because there are things we need to think about. I heard words you said. I heard 
undervalued. Mm. You know, I heard stoicism taking the problems away. So I think on International Men's Day, it's worth having this conversation and I really appreciate all of you coming in mm. and having yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, Kamal and thanks, Paul. Gang. Thank you so thanks much guys. for the insights. Yeah, yeah. To Conor O'Keefe, to Paul Ryder and Kamal Ibrahim, thank you so, so much. Pleasure. Love to get your thoughts on that topic. You can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com. But thank you to all of my guests, to the members of the panel, also to Alison Keating, who was on earlier. Thank you to my producer, Eva Breen, and Hugo De Silva Scott, who was on sound. That is it for Alive and Kicking for this week. Thanks as ever to you for listening. I will see you next week. Alive and Kicking on News Talk.